Welcome to Hashtag Managed, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of building a booked out social media business. Tune in every week for transparent conversations from a six-figure social media agency owner, sharing the highlights and lowlights of being a business owner, and episodes featuring industry experts to help you start, scale, and book out your own social media management business. Now, here's your host, Jessica Sheehy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Hashtag Managed. I'm really excited to introduce today's guest to you all and to dive into our conversation. We're going to cover so many amazing topics in this episode. So I want you all to meet Carly. Carly is the CEO of Fly Dog Digital. She started her business in October 2020 after getting laid off from her job due to COVID. She had a really hard time finding a job. So eventually she said, if anybody is going to hire me, then I'm going to hire me. And she started her business that very same day. She began as a virtual assistant, mostly because it was such a buzzword at the time, but quickly pivoted to being a social media manager. Fast forward two and a half years later, and they are a full service digital marketing agency working with clients internationally. They have four full-time employees and five contractors. They've grown quite quickly. Carly, welcome to the Hashtag Managed podcast. Tell me a little bit more about about you and why you started your business during the pandemic. Yeah, first off, thank you so much for having me, longtime listeners. So glad to be here. Um, I, like you mentioned, I started my business after I got laid off from my full-time job. I mean, the job market in 2020, as most people probably know, was a total absolute dumpster fire and it was impossible to get a job. So I started it as just a way to make money. It was never really meant to be a full-time Thing. I never really had this driving, burning passion to be an entrepreneur. I needed to pay for rent. <laughs> so I decided to offer virtual assistant services because I'd been seeing about it all over social media. Like you had already mentioned, very quickly pivoted to social media management. That's what everybody was asking me to do. I have a bachelor's degree in marketing um, and have done some social media full time when I was working full time. So it was an easy thing for me to offer to potential clients. And about, uh, I made a website for myself right when I started on Squarespace by watching a hundred million hours worth of YouTube videos to figure it out myself. I published my website and then one of my clients at the time that I was doing social media for liked the website and she said, could you make me a website? And I said, probably, I don't see why I couldn't offer that. So I purchased and took a website design course, did a website for her and really loved it. So I offered social media and website design as services for a while. And then in really the middle of 2022 is when we pivoted to being a full service digital marketing agency. So today we offer social media management, paid social advertising, Google advertising, SEO, email marketing, blogs, branding, and website design. So really anything that falls underneath that digital marketing umbrella. I love that. And I love your response to the client's request, probably. I think that that is such a uh, typical entrepreneur answer, which I think is really fascinating because like you mentioned that that was never your desire to become an entrepreneur. It was kind of like a need to need to pay your rent and to pay your bills. So I think that that is really awesome and just kind of really speaks to, you know, all of the how you can adapt to, to different things, different roles and all of that. So I love the start of your business being virtual assisting and then 
then going into social media and now offering this full service digital marketing agency. And congrats, by the way, I know I read in your bio the large team that you have. So that is a huge win. So I want to just say that um, here as well. So really, really awesome for that. How has that been to pivoting into offering a more full service, you know, often called like a white glove experience for clients. Um, tell, tell us a little bit more about what that's been like in that pivot. Yeah. So I feel like I've touched a lot of different areas of marketing um, throughout my corporate, when I was in corporate, throughout my corporate career. And I have a good understanding of basics of paid advertising. I mean, very just basics. So when it came for us to time to offer these full service offerings, it's a pivot that I wanted to make because one, we'd been getting a lot of requests for it. And two, we'd worked with clients who we did their social media. They had somebody else doing their paid social advertising. We had somebody doing else doing their SEO. And it was a lot of things getting lost in translation between all their different service providers. We, of course, being a, a service provider in an agency, I have my own opinions on how clients should be managed, how reporting should be done, how communication should be done. And I was often finding that we weren't getting that type of communication from other from other freelancers or vendors working on the same client account. And I was like, we that shouldn't be how that's done. You know, we provide a really custom experience to clients. We give a lot of client communication. We give a lot of data. And I felt like that was missing in those other areas. So we decided to pivot to this full service offering, mostly because I wanted to give clients a really good experience across the board and be this one-stop shop where they could have the same experience they have with us doing everything. And that's why we kept getting so many of these requests was because they loved how we approached their organic social media. And they're like, could you just also do our paid social? And I could, but I didn't really feel comfortable having a client pay me to do it because I wasn't that confident in my skills. So as we grew, I hired people to join the team that were experts in those areas. So we have a paid ads manager or he's his title is a digital strategist, but he does all of our paid social advertising, Google advertising and SEO. He's really an expert in that sort of analytics and data area. We have a digital designer who does our branding and our website designs, does a lot of the graphics for our social clients, our paid ads clients. We have social media managers that handle social media and content creation. So we are now a team that all works very collaboratively together, but we have our lane that we're an expert in. So it allowed us to offer some of these services in a way that I felt really comfortable and confident in to clients to give them just this really good experience from start to finish for any digital channel that they want to be present on. Yeah, I love that. And I love the just seeing that opportunity with the chance to go full service with your clients, because I can only imagine how your clients felt with those other vendors that were just lacking communication and lacking data. And they <laughs> probably were feeling not so great about that investment in those in those vendors. And, you know, because everyone works so differently. We all have such unique processes and ways that we do things. And I think sometimes certain service providers kind of gear more towards the creatives side of things, not to say that they're not great at the logistical or data or anything like that, but it's not their first thing that they're, it's not their priority that they're focusing on. So I love that you really saw that opportunity and also hired for those experts in those fields. Cause I know, especially as an entrepreneur, and maybe this speaks to your background in corporate and kind of how you got into entrepreneurship, 
But I know as entrepreneurs, we're so quick to just put on the hat ourselves and to figure out like, okay, let me do all those things, which I know you kind of did when you were starting out, right, with taking that website design course. Um, But I'm sure, you know, it's so much easier to have someone on your team that you feel the confidence of, okay, they're going to deliver a great service. We, We already are in our lane delivering an awesome organic service. Here's where we can add something else and just bringing in that expert. So I think that's a really awesome kind of way that you've gone about it. So um, I know that you offer full service. Are there any particular, um, you know, industries that your agency focuses on? I'd love to talk about the, you know, elephant in the room niche. What is your niche and how does that look like for you guys? Yeah. So when I first started freelancing, I everyone in the online world always the niche is like the topic you see so frequently from just everyone and i think that we have a target audience but i don't think we have a niche in the sense that a lot of people think of the word niche so we have worked with just about every single industry and we currently do still too that you could imagine we have um, online service providers we have accountants and online um business managers and website designers that we create content for. Um, and then we have clients that are have brick and mortar. We work with a spa. We've worked with a spray tan business in the past. We um, have clients that we have a YouTube gamer that has three and a half million subscribers that we help with their social media and email marketing for. We have clients that are mental health therapy practices and physical therapy practices and weddings and beauty. It is like all all over the spectrum in terms of who we work with. But the way that I like to describe us is that we have a target audience in the way that what they are looking for from a agency to work with. So they have to be a good fit for how we like to run our business, which is we're very, very data driven. We're exceptionally creative, but we do everything based off of data. And we have a very long onboarding process to be able to understand their business, understand their audience, understand their brand before we start creating anything. And we do a lot of research, review all these types of metrics before we dive into that. And that's how we approach things. So as long as they are okay with having an agency who's going to really heavily rely on data to back things up, we also like looking for clients who, while they may start with just organic social media marketing, their future goals are to really continue to grow their business and onboard onto these full suite offerings. So we have some clients who are on our CMO package, and that means that we handle all of their marketing efforts pretty much from start to finish. So those are the types of clients that we look to work with. It's clients that are a little bit more established. They might have worked with another freelancer in the past, or they're currently working with a a lot of different freelancers and kind of want to bring it all under one roof. Um, They're ready for growth. And most importantly, and maybe obviously, they're ready to make the investment in marketing. I think a lot of people under don't understand brand awareness. A lot of brands don't understand what brand awareness is and the impact that that has. So the clients we work with have an understanding of what that is, what that means, and how it can really relate and contribute to their brand growth. So those are the types of clients we work with. It's I like to almost say it's more of like a personality fit rather than if they're in any certain type of industry. So those are the types of clients that we work with now. And it's really great for us because not only do they work really well with us, but our social media managers and our creative team likes that they get to write content for a bartending group and then write content 20 minutes later for a mental health therapy practice. And then 20 minutes later, write for a meal plan delivery service. They like being able to 
flex their creative muscles and explore a lot of different creative options to work with different clients, different trends, that type of stuff. And sometimes our clients like too, that we don't have experience in their industry or that we're not a quote unquote expert or quote unquote niched in their industry because we can approach it from an entirely fresh perspective. We had a e-commerce brand that we worked with for a while that had worked with a lot of e-commerce agencies. And they found that those agencies were very rinse and repeat. The agencies were like, this is what we know works. We work with 25 clients in this area. This is what works for them every single time. And we came in and we said, we don't know what that would be because we haven't worked with an e-commerce agency before e-commerce brand in the past. And we came in with this kind of fresh perspective of how do we want to reach their audience by starting with all this research and all of this data. So um, that's sort of my long, very long winded answer on what our target audience is, maybe not exactly what our niche is. Yeah, I love that. I think that's so beautifully said. I love what you mentioned, how it sometimes can come down to the personality of the clients, because I know so many of our listeners, when they're, you know, engaging in our community, they're always either starting out or maybe they're like newer in business. And they're like, I've been working with some clients, but I haven't found my niche yet. I don't know who my niche should be. And I think the thought is always around industry focus, right? You need to be, you know, you need to work with only coaches, or you need to only work with health and wellness, or, you know, only work with boutiques and don't go out of that whatsoever. But I personally love and have never had a niche for industries as well. I mean, our clients at Social Savvy range from the most random things. And I think that speaks to my background in marketing. Um, I, I know so many times when clients come to me and they're like, have you worked with my industry? As soon as I feel like we're, we've like got it, someone will come out of like with this product or this service and I've never heard of it before, but there's such a market for it. I'm like, no, okay, but let's add it to the list of the clients that we can work with. So I love that advice because I think niching looks different for all of us, whether we want to niche with an industry, you know, here's your permission slip. Yeah, do it. If that feels like the best thing for your business and the service that you offer. But if you want to niche more to the personality like Carly and her agency has, go for that. Or if you want to just niche with the service that you offer, if you're a solopreneur, you know, not right not yet ready for an agency, then you can go and have, you know, that one service that you offer. Um, Carly, is there anything else beyond the kind of seeing that opportunity with the clients that you were working with that made you grow and scale into an agency? I think it's been so fascinating how quickly you've been able to scale and hire so many experts. Um, so I want to, I'd love to know, has an agency model always kind of been um, in the idea when that happened or were there any other factors that that led to that? I feel like a lot of what I've done has been, um, I hate this expression, but it's, it's like sadly true. It's the like building the plane that's already in the sky, you know, like everyone always has whatever. I heard that so much in corporate my last job since was there a company motto, I swear. So um, I think that that's how it's been. I think that as I've learned more about entrepreneurship, about the types of clients that we worked with. I just constantly pivoted and I'm finding what it is that I like to do in what our clients need. It's a balance between what is it that Carly likes to do and what is it that clients need to help grow a business. And so I think when you get to a point of being, you know, quote unquote, booked out where you your time is tapped out, you have no more hours in the day to bring on any additional clients. I think you have two routes that you can take. You can increase your rates so that you can make more money while still working the same amount of hours um, or less hours, or you can hire people 
pay them less of a rate than what clients are paying you, and then be able to continue to take on more clients. So when it came time for me to, to decide which sort of route do I want to go down, I while I like being creative and I like strategizing, I also like managing people. And I've done that in, in past roles when I was in corporate too. I've managed people and I really like that. And I think that as I looked at what are the parts of the business that I really love doing, I like first and foremost seeing our clients grow and then being able to hire people, then being able to raise their prices because their business is growing. I That's what I feel joy in. As much as I like feeling joy that my business is going, I feel most empowered and most joyful when our clients, and it's the same way with employees. I like when our employees get to grow. They have these really great ideas. I feel so proud of them and I want them to, to do more. So for me, when I came to that, that fork in the road, I decided to go the agency route because I didn't want to continue to create content forever. I liked what I liked was seeing that growth, which you do as the CEO, you're bringing on new business. I still lead a lot of the strategy and I still do create some content from time to time. But a lot of what I do is um, kind of employee management, business uh, operations, business development focused. And that's the path that I decided to put myself down. But I think that there is no one answer. And if managing people, it sounds like a horrible option for you, don't go the agency route. And there's nothing wrong with that. We work with um, clients and I know people who are exceptionally successful in their role as just being still a team of one. They charge a ton of money. They are great at what they do. They get to always choose the clients they want to work with. They don't have to deal with any employee issues or payroll or contractors leaving or all of that headache that comes with managing a team. So I think it just really depends on what the person wants to do what they find joy in doing. And I also think that you can test the waters, hire a couple contractors, have them work five, 10 hours a week. See if you like that side of it before you like steamroll into agency world. Um, test the water, see if you like it. If you don't, let them go and then just raise your prices and go down the other fork. So that's kind of how I approached things and what I found works best for me, but that's not what works best for everybody. Yeah. And I love that advice that it really does, you know, there's no right or wrong way. I think there's, and I know I've, I've known people as well who have gone the agency route, like maybe right from corporate, they started an agency, hired a really big team, really loved it. And it had a successful run for a year or two or a few years. And then they realized that that really wasn't the life that they wanted for themselves anymore. So switched to, you know, back to solopreneur to freelancer. And of course, you know, you can always grow from solopreneur to up to an agency at any time. So I think that's wonderful advice um, and really appreciate you sharing that with all of our listeners. Um, kind of on that topic as well, well, since you do have such a, um, a big team right now in your agency, do you have any advice for someone who is maybe in the early stages of hiring a team or maybe also to if they already have that team, any advice around firing? Because I think that's also just as important um, as hiring when it comes to being the CEO of your business. Yes. So we've unfortunately had to let go employees and contractors in the past. That's just how the business world goes it is absolutely my least favorite part of what i do i hate it more than i can even tell you having to let somebody go um i heard someone say recently and this is a saying that you you may have heard and your listeners may have heard before but everyone says to hire slowly and fire quickly and that is i think reigns very true so when we hire we are 
uh, team goes through, our candidates go through several interviews, um, both making sure they're a personality fit as well as that they're really skilled in what it is that they're saying that they're doing. What I found has worked best for us, um, even when we are bringing on a full-time employee, we have them on a contract to hire. I, it's just what worked best for us. We might change it in the future, but still being a team that's growing, I, I can't bring on a full-time salary right without the clients to support the full-time salary. And I can't bring on the clients until I have the person with the full-time salary. So we have them on a contract to hire right now where they start off as a contractor working 10 or 15 hours a week, and then they move up into a full-time role when it works for them and works for us. Usually about three months in, they move into a full-time role. Um, that one lets helps us test the waters a little bit, make sure they're gonna be a good fit. Um, it also helps them make sure that we're a good fit. A, a lot of people that haven't worked for an agency before or haven't freelanced before don't understand that when you work for an agency, you have 10 different bosses because you have a boss me. Then you also have every single one of your clients is your boss in a way, right? You're constantly trying to make them happy. There are so many different conflicting deadlines and conflicting priorities, and you have to really manage those things. And I help the new employees, of course, to manage those things. I act as a buffer as much as I can. But agencies are a grind. That's the, the culture that, unfortunately, it is. And at Flydog, we really try and minimize that to prevent turnover, to create a work-life balance that isn't dealing with client requests after 5 p.m. We tell our clients we are available from 10 to 4. If you have a request outside that, we'll reply at 4, uh, 10 a.m. the next day. We don't give them our, they don't have any employees' phone numbers. They can't text them after hours. They're not Instagram DMing them. If they have a last minute request, we make the, uh, we let them know that we will try our best to accommodate it, but we cannot guarantee that. So we have really sort of strict deadlines. And that's another thing of what finding a, a client that's a good fit for us personality wise is that they have to be deadline driven too. And they have to understand that if they don't hit the deadlines, we might not get content created for them. If they don't give us what we need, they might not get it. And our contract protects us. It says, if you don't give us these things, we can't guarantee. So we're protected in that sense. And we do always go above and beyond and do everything that we can to make it work for the client, but we don't try and set that expectation. So I think that the, the contract to hire, it lets us to make sure that the employees and the contractors get a sense of how this feels before they leave their full-time job and come in to this full-time job. I want to make sure that someone likes how this is, that they're going to be here, that they like the team, they like the work, that this is a good decision for them just as much as it's a good decision for us. Yeah, such great advice around, you know, hiring. And I love the quote about, you know, hire slowly and, um, you know, fire quickly, because that really does make a huge difference, you know, when it when you're looking at your, your business books there. Um, but also for all of you listening, I want you guys to just go back and just listen to Carly's whole answer on that again, whether you're hiring a team or even if you're a solopreneur, because I think you shared a lot of really great boundaries that you guys have at Flydog that any social media freely, any digital marketer service provider, please go listen to that and listen to those boundaries, right? You know, these are our office hours. These are what we stick to, you know, no giving out personal cell phone numbers. Don't DM us on Instagram, have realistic expectations about the project, because I think we can all kind of take that and listen. So I want all of you to go back and listen to that <laughs> either right now, and then come back to this portion of the episode, um, or, you know, go back to it and listen when you're done. I will say too. I will say too that it um, it took us a while to get those boundaries. I think that especially when you're starting out, um, 
and, and honestly, even still too, we have a really great client roster and losing a client never feels good, no matter what stage you're in. I think every single time we have lost clients, of course, every single person, if you haven't lost a client too, I, I heard someone say the other day, like if you haven't lost clients, it means your business isn't growing because you should be continuing to level up and, and find the new right people. Right. So, um, we have of course lost clients and every time we lose a client, I'm like, that's it. I need to close the business. We're the worst. No one wants to work with me. I think everyone as your business owner kind of like gets in your head. And then I have to remind myself, we still have this amazing client roster just because one didn't work out as no reflection of, of the work that we're producing or who we are. So I think it does take a while to start to set some of those boundaries because you do want to make clients happy kind of bar none, because that's how you keep them on. You give them this great client experience. I still think that you can give a great or even better client experience if you have some boundaries. Your clients know what to expect from you. You know what to expect from them. It makes a really easy back and forth relationship when there are those set boundaries. But know that if you feel like all clients have your phone number right now, you're constantly getting DMs, you're constantly working outside the scope because you want to make them happy. Like every single service provider has done that more than one time and you probably will still continue to make exceptions and i honestly believe that you should make exceptions as i think that people oftentimes i see in, in facebook groups and things that someone will say this is what's happening with a client but my contract says this and so i'm not going to do it and they're like what does everybody else think and i'm like honestly i think you should do it you know set the expectation that that's not going to happen every single time that this is an exception that you are going above and beyond to do this for a client but then do it. And then if that works out well, the next time they ask for it, charge them for it. But you know, if there's a little thing that's going to take you an extra five minutes, even extra an hour to do, that's going to help you keep the client. If generally they're a good client and this is one time they're trying to ask for something outside the scope, just do it, but let them know you're going above and beyond so that they even value and appreciate your work more. Maybe that's a hot take, but that's sort of my opinion on it. <laughs> no, I love that. And I think that's, I always like to use the phrase, you know, surprise and delight. I always try to think of like different things that we can do for the clients we're working with along the same lines that you mentioned of retaining that client. Because I think for, you know, when I can look at all of our clients and right now we're in this very interesting, but great season in business where we have a lot of old clients coming back. And I'm talking mm -hmm. 2019, like end of 2018, 2019, and 2020, like pre-pandemic clients coming back, um, which is really fascinating to me. I'm trying to like rack my brain around, okay, what's going on here? Like <laughs> what is going on? But I think with that, you know, they these are clients that we had great relationships during however long that period was. You know, we stayed connected. I mean, we weren't, you know, chatting every single day on Instagram DMs, but, you know, they launch a new product, they celebrate a win, they hire a new team member, you know, we're still kind of connecting with them. But it, I think it all comes down to that small thing of they remember that, okay, there's some small things that, you know, Jessica and the team or whoever's working on their account had gone above and beyond or did something, or this is a really great win. So I think that is always so great. And to your point that, you know, we, we should lose clients. I think that's a really awesome hot take because it does mean we're growing and either we're expanding how we're serving clients. Maybe we're getting more laser focused on, you know, what we know we can do. Maybe those clients just don't align. 
I think a lot of businesses go through seasons. I think our clients' businesses go through seasons. And sometimes those seasons change and clients pivot too. You know, we pivot our businesses probably so many times, but our clients pivot as well. And sometimes that pivot just doesn't include us. So I think it's totally okay to have that mindset around, okay, we don't have to keep them forever. You know, they serve their purpose. They were on our client roster for this time frame and you know take it from me i'm in the season right now clients come back so they'll come mm-hmm. back to you if the time is right or they pivot back or they're just they find themselves in a new like season of business so i think that's really really great advice on that i know you guys have worked with a lot of different industries so i'm sure you get um, a lot of different clients that kind of come in the door or leads that come in the door. Is there anything that you look for, you know, in particular, I know we talked about like different personality traits, kind of business minded goals that they have as a client, but what do you look for and how do you really know if a lead is going to be a good client or a bad client? I'd love to hear any advice you have around that. Yeah, I think that as you do dozens, hundreds of discovery calls, you start to immediately pick out Um, red flags and how they answer questions and how they talk about marketing and what their goals are. And so one of the questions we always ask is, have you ever worked with a agency or a freelancer before? And if they say no, I have a a different sort of set of questions to ask about what are they hope, what goals are they hoping to get? Oftentimes people think they're going to hire somebody for organic social media marketing, and it's going to quadruple their sales. And I sort of set the expectation on what organic social media marketing is for, um, which is brand awareness and that your website and whatever your service is, you have to have a lot of other channels to be able to sell. Organic social should help contribute to that, but it's not your main driver of sales. So if they have not worked with an agency before, I kind of go down a different path of making sure I'm really setting clear expectations. I ask about what their goals are with marketing so that I can, if I I hear a red flag, I can address it. And I'm very honest, maybe overly honest and overly blunt on discovery calls in terms of what it is that we're going to deliver and what it is that we're not going to deliver or that I never guarantee will deliver, never guarantee that we deliver results. People have asked in the past what sort of success we've had for clients. And I'll give some examples because we have had really great success with clients, but I let them know that just because you're an accountant and this person is an accountant does not mean that you're going to see the same results. You have you have different personalities. You have different target audiences. You have different price points. You've been around for a while. You don't know what their network is like. There's so many different things that go into it. So I asked, have you worked with a, a similar type of service provider as we are before? They say no. I kind of go into the setting expectations of what they can expect results-wise from us because that's usually a big question. And if they say yes, that they have, I always ask why it didn't work, because that can uncover a lot of also potentially unrealistic expectations that clients have. Oh, this person, they I didn't see any increase in leads. And I'm like, okay, well, that's not what social media is for. So I, I, I see why it didn't work out. If it didn't work out because they, sometimes they'll say, I had no idea how things were performing. And then that gives me an opportunity to say, well, this is why we're different. You get... Um, monthly reports. And if you're on a paid social or paid Google ads package, you get bi-weekly reports from us. You'll know exactly how things are going every single step of the way. We'll get on monthly calls. We're very data-driven. So I'll reassure them that we're a good fit 
if it feels like the reason that uh, an agency hasn't worked in the past or a freelancer hasn't worked in the past isn't because of some red flag that they're waving very high that they might not know that they're waving. Um, so I usually ask those types of questions that helps weed out if they're going to be a good or a bad client. But I feel like, honestly, there's no real way to know. We recently had a client that was only on for their six month contract and um, let us know they weren't gonna be renewing it. And we saw the best results for them that we have seen on any client ever. It was, I mean, I'm talking like 3000% increases in engagement, 3000% increases in engagement and impressions and link clicks and website traffic. I mean, the numbers are like mind blowing in terms of what we delivered and they chose to not move forward because they didn't feel like we were delivering results. And everyone on our team was like, what? <laughs> oh, and I'm like, you know that they're not a good fit. Listen, we'll use all their stats in a case study on our website where we won't include their name, but they things went so well for them. But ultimately, it's just not a good fit. They had a we did had a really great consultation discovery call we all thought things were going really well we got really positive feedback until they decided that they didn't want to move forward and resign on their contract and i think that there might have been something going behind the scenes of of why they was another reason i'm not really sure but i think that you know you, you've got to sort of get out of the mental headspace of we didn't do well. Why do they not like us? No one's ever going to sign us again. Um, kind of keep your eye open for red flags, not consultations, but know that I think there's no way you can actually know until you're in it working with them. And even then you might not even know what's going to come next. So. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. Well, that's amazing results and just really speaks to you really never know what a client is going to do. I know that I've had so many instances where I just in my head writes that little voice that's like, okay, this is the call. They're going to fire you right there. And then on the call, they're like singing your praises or, you know, you get on the call. We're like, yes, we just finished a launch. The results are amazing. We're going to dive into the data. We're going to go deep into it all. We're all going to like celebrate and cheer and be so happy and they're not happy. They're, you know, mm -hmm. so something is in that. So I think it really speaks to that you don't know. So I think that is such good advice to just kind of, you know, go into it and kind of you, you learn as you go through it. And that's yes. where you can kind of keep getting better at noticing those flags and noticing how to, okay, what, how should I react to them? You know, how is this going to play out when they're a client? And really just, I think to the advice that I'll often give is, a lot of times I go with my gut feeling. I, I'll really know. Um, I'll just, it, it's so hard to describe, but I can just feel it. I don't know if it's experience or just the confidence and my abilities or the teams, but I can just trust in myself that I'll make that good decision to bring them on and, or I'll make the decision to maybe say, no, it's not a great fit. And if I can, and even want to refer them to someone else, then I'll do that. Uh, but you just kind of have to trust yourself that you're making that right decision. If you bring them on and you realize you don't, it's like, okay, this is what being a CEO is. I have to just like mm -hmm. put on <laughs> my big girl pants and just get through the contract and get through, get the team through the project until the very end of it. But, um, but yeah, it's really, really interesting. Um, Curly, I wanted to circle back and talk about something that we've kind of talked about, you know, with your journey um, in entrepreneurship. And one thing that I think we can really speak to and kind of share some great insights for our community 
community around is, you know, when it comes to any business, when they're thinking about their marketing, is there a time that a business owner should really invest in like a full service marketing? Is there anything specific that you um, recommend that they have or that you look for? I think it so depends on the industry and on the business um, in terms of when it's right to take that next step. I think that looking back at your data, seeing where some of your leads are coming from, if you're seeing those come from social platforms, then invest more in the social. If you're seeing those come from website traffic, invest more in website traffic. If you're seeing no sales come at all, there's other things that you should look at. I mean reviewing your services. Have you had consultations and just nobody's booked? Maybe you should review your consultation process or your pricing or the packages that you're offering or how it's relating to your competitors. I think when it comes time to invest in, in marketing, it really depends on where the business is at financially, um, operationally, what sort of successes they're seeing. And if they feel ready to invest more to hopefully see their brand go grow, their leads or their customers grow, that's of course the a goal, I know we talk a lot about brand awareness and marketing, but really the goal is those people who are aware of your brand ultimately at some point become a customer or a lead. So I think it depends on that. What I would always recommend for investing in marketing is that you have to have a website. I mean, and when and we do website design also for clients, but I think understanding where your web where your sales are coming from outside of just i have honeybook the last question is how did you hear about us and they choose something that might tell you a couple of things of how they first heard about you or maybe they might not even know oftentimes they leave it blank or they might say i found you on um Instagram, but really they saw us on Instagram, then they Googled our business and then they became a customer. So we showed up SEO wise because they Googled us. So that's a whole nother thing to kind of factor in. So I would say definitely have a website that looks good and that's already performing well. If not, start with a website redesign um, and make sure that you have good Google Analytics events and conversion set up so that you can really track and understand where people are spending time on your website and then how they're becoming a customer. So that's sort of the one thing I would do. I would invest in good branding because that's just a good foundation. I think a lot of people think of branding as just a logo, but I think before you invest in the marketing, you need to invest in a full brand identity, which includes brand voice, customer values, those types of things, mission statement, vision statement, um, so that we can you can create content that also sounds how your business wants to sound and communicates your brand in a really clear way rather than just having a logo and leaving it at that. Um, and then the other thing I think that you need is brand photos. We require that our clients have some type of brand photography or are going to invest in it in the very, very near future because while you might have, you can create graphics until the cows come home, oftentimes you need some type of visual, regardless if your business or a um, product-based business, service-based business, online business, you need some type of photography to show who you are or what you do or both, depending on the type of business that you have. So those are usually the, the three re requirements. And I guess those all kind of relate into marketing as well. But before you start sort of spreading the word more about your business, getting your message out there, your brand out there, reaching new people, I think having a really good place for them to come to your website um, or being able to really effectively drive new people there by having good photos on your social or even on your website too are good foundations to have. Yeah, yeah, I think that's such, such great advice because I know so many times 
you know, I'm talking to people in our community and they're always, you know, they're, they have that discovery call. They're, you know, preparing that proposal for their client or, you know, they're trying to figure out what's the best service or packages to offer to them. And a lot of times, you know, the client is missing a lot of things. And I think also too, not only in that discovery call phase, but also, you know, if you do take on a client who maybe doesn't have that sales process, that's, you know, proven, uh, maybe they don't have a steady stream of income coming in, you know, it, it's all so many things that can really hurt us as the marketer. But, you know, it's also going to help the client not really see the return on social media, especially organic social media, if they're not doing anything else, because they're going to put all of the trust. Okay, this is going to be the Band-Aid that fixes everything in my business when really it comes down to so many underlying things. So I love that you walked through all of that for I, all of us. I think that Band-Aid, what you just said with the Band-Aid example is a great a really like the perfect thing to describe marketing in the sense of I don't I think sometimes businesses are not seeing their business grow and so they want to invest in marketing to like save the business and I think that if you're getting to the point where you need to invest in marketing to save the business there might be some other things that we want to look at. And that's, of course, a, a very vast generalization. There's definitely businesses. We're working with a business right now who is brand new. They are brand, brand spanking new. They they are a product-based business. They're, they sell beer, cans of beer, and they don't even have it in production yet. So they're doing it not to save the business, but to help the business grow. But I think that's what marketing should be. It should be to help the business grow, not things are going so badly. Let's invest to save it, to bring in leads. If you've been doing any type of marketing efforts, or if you've been in business for a year and you're seeing no type of movement forward, there might, it could be marketing. That is the problem. It could be that not enough people are aware of who you are, but it could also be a series of other issues. So I think exactly like you said, make sure it's the marketing isn't like helping the band-aid problem it's pushing your business forward not just investing to save the business or to hope to save the business yeah yeah no i think that's a really great opportunity wouldn't it be so nice if so many clients came to us and they were in that beginning production stage right because they could because those clients um it just it feels so good when they come across you know come across your inbox they're ready for that sales call they're so excited to get started because they just they already know the value in um in marketing with brand awareness and you know building that community um and all of the things that come with that so that's really great and i think too if clients, even if they come to us and they're not in that stage, it's not to say they don't know that about marketing. A lot of times I think it's, you know, sometimes I feel like it's my role in that sales call, right? I'm going in, of course, for sales, but a lot of times I think I'm going in to educate as well, you know, what it entails to have, you know, a marketing team or if you're organic social media, okay, what are those things that were going to happen? Because then you'll educate and then you'll set those expectations of, you know, here's what I can do with my service. So then that way, when you are on those calls or delivering those analytics reports, there's never a question of what am I getting here? What am I paying for? What are, you know, what are the results that we're going to have? It's already kind of already there, which I think is so, so, so good. Um, well, Carly, this has been such an awesome episode. I want to end this with one question that I really love to ask everyone who comes on the show. If you had to give one piece of advice to an entrepreneur, what would it be? That's such a good question. And I honestly feel like as my business grows and as I just learn more, I feel like the answer always changes. My my usual piece of business is to tell everybody about 
your business. I think that when I started, I didn't tell a lot of people because one, I had gotten laid off. It was due to the pandemic. They are company layoff, like 60% of the staff. So um, it was due to the pandemic, but I was still kind of embarrassed by the fact that I got laid off. And then I think I was a little bit embarrassed that I now was starting this business and I needed to, um, uh, I was starting this business and I needed to make it work so I could make some money. And I think I was embarrassed to tell people because I didn't want it to fail. And I didn't want people to then ask me, how's the business going? And I'm like, well, I closed it because I couldn't get any clients. So I think I, I kind of ran into that issue. As soon as I started really telling everybody about my business, so many referrals came in from an old coworker's mom I did a website for. And a guy that I worked with three jobs ago now has his own thing and needed some social media support. And so I told every single person I ran into, I posted about it on my personal Facebook page, on my personal Instagram page, on my LinkedIn page. I was just trying to get the word out there. And I think that even if you don't think you have this massive network, which I didn't think I had a big network, I'd worked for several corporate companies, but I was like, those people have full-time jobs. What are they going to be able to help with? And surprisingly, so many, so much came to me from the connections that I had that I didn't think were really valuable, but turned out to be immensely valuable. So my usual biggest piece of advice for entrepreneurs is to tell everybody about your business. The, the last example I'll give is one of the websites that very first websites that we did, we still work with this client on making website updates and we now do their social media and we've done content shoots for them, was a guy that I stood up in a wedding for one of my friends and I was partnered with him to walk down the aisle. And we were chatting before we get, he said, what do you, what do, you do for work? And I said, I do like websites and social media. And he goes, you know, we, I need a website. I said, really, we should talk about that at like the reception, maybe not while I have like flowers in my hand, we're walking down the aisle and he's turned out to be one of our biggest clients. And so I, I think you, you tell everyone and you never know what is going to come from those types of connections that you might not even know that you have. Yeah. I love that. That is great advice because like you mentioned, if you think you have a small network, your network has a network and then they have a network and they just, it keeps spreading. I can't tell you the amount of times people have referred business to me and they're like a second or third connection, right? Like think about like connections on LinkedIn, like that's your connection and your personal network. And I'm like, wait, hold on. How do you know them? And who do you know? And, who, and you're like, oh, wait, okay, yes, I do know them. <laughs> you know, it takes a few times, but you finally get there. So I think that is such, such good advice. Carly, this has been such an amazing episode filled with so many great golden nuggets and gems. Where can our listeners find out more about you and Fly Dog Digital? Yes. So we have our Fly Dog Digital Instagram page, which is just at Fly Dog Digital. My um, personal business page is by by.carlybridget. I'm sure you'll link it in show notes and things like that. Um, so you could find us there on Instagram. Our website is flydogdigital.com. So we're, we're pretty active on Instagram. I especially am. So it's a good place to keep up to date with us. Yeah, absolutely. And we will put all of Carly's links in the show notes of this episode. If you want to connect with Carly, if you have any more questions following up from her episode, we'll link in um, all of the social accounts and website for Fly Dog Digital as well. And we also have a really special offer for all of our hashtag managed listeners and just everyone in our social savvy collective community. You can save 20% off on their templates with code SAVVY20, but we'll put all of the links, codes, everything 
everything you need in the show notes of this episode. So thank you again, Carly, for taking the time out and sharing all about your experience and journey as an entrepreneur. It's been such a great episode. And thank you to all of you for listening to another episode of Hashtag Managed. We'll be back next week with another guest. Are you ready to create your own social media business that fuels your dream life? Whether that is financial freedom, time freedom, or anything else, this guide is your ultimate roadmap to building a sustainable social media management business. Inside this free guide, you'll learn how to build a sustainable business with the exact steps that I took to build my six-figure agency, why you started this business in the first place, and determine what you want to get out of it, how to scale your business beyond being a solopreneur social media manager. After this episode, go to the show notes to download your roadmap or type in socialsavvyhq.co forward slash podcast in your browser to access it there. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Hashtag Managed. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show and we greatly appreciate it. Come back next week for another new episode of Hashtag Managed. We'll see you then.